Happy Halloween, everybody. Uh, I think we're a little more normal this Halloween than last. I know Mm. we're taking my daughter out trick-or-treating with her friends, so everybody's going to be feeling a a little bit more back to the the zone of of regular Halloween. But, uh, Tim, uh, to to, uh, call out the elephant in the room right up the top, uh, Mm. all the talk in the world and in the biz right now is the the death of of a cinematographer at mm. the hands of Alec Baldwin on his little low-budget Western in New Mexico, Rust. Yeah. Um, you and I have both worked on films with mm. armorers and guns, and, uh, and, and you know, I, all these details keep coming out, but we have not talked about this. Your thoughts uh, on, that, on that whole fiasco, knowing what we know and not knowing what we don't know, your thoughts? Well, um, uh, and, and, and we have, and uh, you're our, our good buddy who we always uh, talk about on the show, Sherman Augustus, has been on a number, involved in a number of major, major productions. He and I have talked about this, you know, that requires guns and of all sorts. Sherman's always playing yeah. sheriffs and cops and, and army guys and that. So he's he uh, has been engaged in this business uh, for a long time, and me and you too. And, of course, you and I as journalists, we go back. Uh, to the days of at least uh, the Brandon Lee um, event. Yeah, uh, sure. uh, you know, we we were working journalists in the business when that happened, and um, uh, and in all of the news around that and how it happened and everything that, and and even before, uh, you know, I actually remember uh, the Eric Van Hexham thing back about 1984. I think it was was you know before that's right, that's right in the business, they, but I remember. Yeah, um, uh, and and those are the, those are the big two that people talk about, and then we get to this. Uh, you know, so over the course of some 40, uh, 30 odd years, those two and this. Um, and I don't know whether that is a good record. It, 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 it seems like we, we but, but in, in, in certain ways, it speaks to that perhaps we've been lucky for the last 30 years, because in fact, it seems like this uh, an event like this might have happened at any given moment over the last 30 years. And we've only been lucky uh, that didn't, that, that, that the, the forces that we thought were in, in play, uh, the rules and whatnot, to make sure that Brandon Lee never happened again. It seems that that was all just a delusion uh, that we've been kidding ourselves and that those rules haven't really been uh, working at all. Uh, and we've just been lucky. That's what it feels like at the moment. So here's here's where I come down on it. Um, this has never happened in an Asian movie. This has never happened in a European movie. Now, granted, mm-hmm. we make a lot of movies. This has never happened in an Indian movie. They make a lot of movies, a lot of action movies with a lot of guns in India, too. This doesn't happen there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it simply doesn't. It, it It never should have happened. It certainly shouldn't have happened once, twice, certainly not three times. And there are egregious mistakes that happen in, in each of these situations. And, um, you know, uh, we're going to find out more where those mistakes were. But I, I think part of what's going on here, I mean, I think, you know, when with, with our little 
short refugee from from last year. You know, there were there were like two gunshots in that thing off camera, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And um, those uh, those still had to have an armor and plexiglass, and you know, everybody had to like it was it was treated very professionally. The armor handles the gun, demonstrates that it's empty to everybody, then puts it in the hand of the actor who has seen that it is empty, the AD who has seen that it is empty, the or or that it's properly loaded, and then the scene is executed with protection, with distance, with plexiglass, and then the armor retrieves the weapon and stores it away from everyone else. I mean, there's a real process here. Uh, we're finding out that that process was not respected in this production, but the question then is why? Because mm-hmm. it wasn't respected in the other two cases, too. And mm-hmm. I think it comes down ultimately to, I mean, look, John Woo, l- consider how many rounds have been fired on John Woo movies and not a single person has ever been injured. And that's a Hong Kong business, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Jackie Chan practically killed himself doing stunts, uh, you know, 20 times. Uh, John Woo in this business, which is not known for its safety protocols, uh, when he made all of his Hong Kong movies, they're firing guns left and right, left and right. You know, bullets being blown apart by the by the thousands, and no one ever ever suffered an accident like this. It it ultimately does come down to to negligence and laziness, and I think it's a certain kind of negligence. Um, and 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 it's I, I you know I try to wrap my head around why would it happen again and again and again, even if it's only three times, it's still three times it shouldn't have happened. And, and all I can come up with is that we have a different mindset in independent filmmaking and independent television making here, which is that we are supremely concerned with cutting costs, cutting costs, cutting costs. Mm. Everywhere, everywhere else, yeah, they're concerned with not wasting money. But, you know, if the French, for example, were really concerned with cutting costs, they wouldn't restrict crews to eight-hour workdays. French crews only work for eight hours. They work nine mm-hmm. to five. You know, or, or and they, you know, stick a, stick a dinner and a lunch break in there. So it winds up being about 10 hours and then they go home and get a good night's sleep. They get and have gotten for decades what IATSE is, is fighting for and was almost on the verge of going to on strike for and, and is about to. So th- there is a there is a bottom line mentality at the expense of safety, at the expense of quality. Uh, and I, I think it is, you know, the, the financial pressures on this business are so extreme now, especially coming from companies like Netflix Mm. that I think we need to really, really reevaluate, um, our risk tolerance and the entire business has to be willing to tolerate a lot more financial risk and a lot less human risk. And Mm -hmm. that's where I come down on it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, 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 and here's what what we're talking about here. We're talking about money. Right. Uh, yep. if, w- w- if, so what we what we what is required is the proper budgeting of films in the first place, which used to happen, whether it was studio films or, you know, smaller films or whatever, the proper Correct. budgeting of, of, of films in the first place. A, a, a film, uh, w- when budgeted properly, uh, given all of the uh, requirements of the industry, of the of the making of the film itself, the cost and and how much a talent in every department uh, is is required, is a, is a thing that you can very easily budget. It's not hard to budget a film. No. You simply just have to apply all of the right, and then you come up with a number, and that number yeah. is what it will cost to make this movie. 
And then what you don't get to do is decide, well, we're going to need to save $3 million. So we can't make it for that. Because no, no. <laughs> that is what it costs to make this movie. It didn't cost, yeah. it didn't cost $17 million. It costs $20 million. If you yep. make it for $17 million, you're going to shoot somebody. Um, uh, or, 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 or something else, uh, or people will have to work 18 hour days, uh, because we have to make it in less days than it will actually, and all the sort of things that happen, um, uh, that really make making movies a not fun at the least end of it. Making movies used to be so much fun. Uh, now I hear horror stories, particularly from independent filmmakers and, uh, uh, about how just hard it is to make movies. Now, how they work these 20 hour shifts and, and we're ready to go on strike. You know, that didn't used to be what people talked about when no. they talked about making <clears throat> movies back in the day, you know, as it were. Uh, people love making movies, man. Um, and, yeah. uh, and, 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 and you made money making movies. Everybody did. At least you make 1200 bucks a day working on Porsche commercials in the, in the nineties. Uh, but it's gotten to a point where it's not just about making money. It's about making exponential amounts of money. You've got to, I mean, look, all of the independent divisions when they were cut loose and, and there was kind of, you know, a, a two year bloodbath back in about 2005, 2006, when they were all killed, fine line, a new line and picture Warner picture independent House. and yeah. picture house and, and Paramount classics and Miramax. They all, they they were sort of all cast off except for Focus and, and Fox Searchlight and Sony Classics. And um, every single one of those companies was profitable. Every mm -hmm. single one of them was profitable. But they weren't profitable enough. Mm -hmm. And when you're a public corporation and you need to go into that, that quarterly earnings phone call with your, your investors and your institutional investors and, you know, people who want to see, you know, 5%, 6%, 7%, you know, better than they're going to earn in a, in a, in a checking account or a savings account yeah. uh, on their billions. Then, then they're like, why are you making these little movies? I get it. They're making money, but they're not making me money. Yeah. And yeah. those are the people that will read Disney, the riot act and they'll read, you know, Warner, the riot act. And those, and that's why it's, it's, that's why it's, it's tough. And that's why yeah. these things happen. Yeah. Yeah. Those people don't even like know. movies. <laughs> those people it's, don't even like that's movies. That's so true. <laughs> well, uh, anyway, there, hey, we, this, we started talking about the, the, the whole Alec Baldwin. Yeah. Shooting events. That's where that whole, uh, tirade sort of, sort of, sort of began and, and ended on, you know, it frankly money. Um, which I think is where this investigation is going to land us. There is a thing though. That, that people have not been talking about. And I, uh, you know, I know that, you know, there are, there's, there's still investigations going on, but, but uh, Sherman and I talked about this and, and Sherman, Sherman said, look, to be honest, he has never in all his years of making movies with, with guns pointed a gun at anybody, any body on the set of a movie uh, and pull the trigger. That wasn't uh, the, the person that he was supposed to be shooting in the scene. And he's only ever done it while he was in the scene. Uh, if you, if, if you understand what I mean, if Sherman yeah. pointed a, has pointed a gun at a person uh, and pulled the trigger in a movie, it's because they were shooting the scene and, and that's the thing he was supposed to be doing. And even then he says, you know, you never really point the gun at the person in the, in the, in the scene that you're shooting at anyway. You never do. Uh, you, you know, the camera angles and all, it's just like a, a fight scene. You know, the gun, yeah. you never actually point the gun at the person that you're shooting at. You, you know, you point the guns pointed three feet this way or three feet that way or above their head or at the dirt or, or whatever. So even in the scene, you're actually never pointing the gun, uh, yeah. at a person. Um, anyway, he just pointed, he just told me that and pointed that out. And I don't know. There you go. That's it. Well, it's an awful tragedy. Um, it's just awful all around. And 
we'll see where it goes. We just have to yeah. have to wait it out and see where it goes. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's get into some. Let's get into Halloween stuff. Uh, you know, right off the top, I want to I want to make make mention to everybody of this amazing book that is now out. Guillermo del Toro, the iconic filmmaker and his work. Mm. This is uh, unofficial and unauthorized. They put that right on the book, but it comes in this amazing, cool sleeve, the slip cover. Uh, Tim, check this out. This is a beautiful hardcover book. Oh this yeah, beautiful. I can't. I, I can't wait to show this to you in, in in person. It's really, really great. I mean, it's 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 pretty much uh, you know a, a walkthrough of all of his films to date. Mm. But um, you get a lot of great behind the scenes anecdotes and stories. You know, uh, makeup effects, visual effects. It's really great. Uh, does, it, does it make it up to uh, up to? Um, I, I just saw. I guess he's just a producer. Just uh, he's an executive producer on Antlers, which is one that's out this week. Uh, and uh, one of those Wendigo movies, you know, uh, does it go that deep? Where does it? Where does it? Le- where does it? It leave kind off? of comes up. So it it leaves off with his new film, Nightmare Alley. Oh, okay. That's it comes right up to Nightmare Alley, which which has yet to be released. We've only seen trailers, but that's that's where it comes. It comes right up to Nightmare Alley, wow. and um, it's wonderful. It talks about his inspirations, and you know, you have, you have concept art. It's just a really, really nice. I mean, you got to be a Del Toro fan to really want to have this to give it to somebody. It's, but man, what if you are a Del Toro fan? It's just, it's just great. Now, again, as someone who collected Kubrick books. Uh, by the by, the gallon. Um, <laughs> once upon a time, I will tell you when it's a working filmmaker, I f- I wound up like, damn it, I've got to upgrade all these books because they don't include Full Metal Jacket, and then they didn't, inc- then I upgraded them, and then they didn't include Eyes Wide Shut. And you, at a certain yeah. point, you just sort of have to say, I'm going to wait till he's dead. But you know, <laughs> Guillermo's you know Guillermo's going to be around for a little while. Uh, yeah. So it's it's the trade off. That's the trade off. When a true. new film comes out, it's obsolete. But there yeah, it is. Um, anyway, let's let's start off here. Let, let's talk about the 4K stuff. We got some great 4K uh, stuff. Um, I spit on your grave is out in 4K. If anybody can believe that, uh, I know it's right. Like kind of the ultimate original feminist revenge film. Yeah. It, uh, it, it, it has been imitated and knocked off time and time again, never very effectively. This is just the one that did it first is the one that did it right. Uh, it's still a hell of a film. It's a great exploitation film. Uh, it just, it just doesn't pull its punches has a terrific audio commentary with uh, Joe Bob Briggs and another audio commentary with uh, my Meyer Zarki, the uh, director and tons of other stuff. The, uh, you know, this is a 4k scan from the original camera negative and uh, it's, 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 it's pretty great. It's pretty great. So you're definitely going to want that for Halloween on mm. 4k. We also have the original universal classic monsters, icons of horror collection, Dracula, mm. Frankenstein, the invisible man and the wolf man. Yeah. Uh, all in 4k looking pretty good. I'll tell you, Frankenstein transfers really nicely. All that James. People Whale. forget that, uh, that universal was Bloomhouse before Bloomhouse. Was That's right. Bloomhouse. It, it sure was, was. The monsters came from universal. Yeah. Uh, which is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say this, the, the James Whale really nailed it. Frankenstein yeah. is still a good looking film. Some of the others date a little bit, but Frankenstein is just, is, is rock solid. Uh, Scream, the original Wes Craven Scream, Miramax, that's now out on 4K through Paramount, which is licensed. They are now part owners. I think they own like 48% or 49% of the Miramax library. So we're going to mm. start to see a lot of Miramax and Dimension films coming out from paramount uh hopefully they do right by it 4k ultra hd of scream tim um how do you how do you feel like scream ages today 
Does it still the, hold up? The, 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 the original actually is pretty is pretty solid. Um, and that second one, Scream and Scream Two, is one of those is you know one of the few sets of films where the second one actually turned it up a notch. It did, uh, it did. Uh, yeah, yeah, you, it did you know, sure. so so I kind of yeah, I kind of think that's pretty good. I think they got a what would it be a not it wouldn't be a reboot. I guess it would be yet another sequel coming up here with Nev and Courtney Cox and yeah, next year. No, no, no. Uh, so you know who would have thunk? <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Well, this has the original. Twenty years later, there you go. Uh, Twenty-five years. Twenty-five, 25 years. Twenty-five years later. Oh my god! Crazy. Uh, this has the original commentary by Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson on it, which is pretty great. Plus, feature ad behind the scenes Q and A. Looks looks really good. I don't know if it looks four K good, but it looks really good. Um, Demons one and two from Synapse in a special limited four uh, K UHD edition. Gobs of extras here, like so much. If you're not a crazy fan of Demons and Demons two. There's really no point. I am not a huge <laughs> fan of demons. I mean, these movies were, this is like, I don't know, this was like a Romero knockoff time, right? I mean, it was, this is sort of early, early mid-level zombie stuff, kind of yeah. post-Romero, but pre-current Walking Dead zombie stuff. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, man. Did, did, were, you, were you a fan of these things? No, oh, no, not 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 real. It, 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 which, that's the first one, like like nineteen eighty five, right? Very something, something like Italian that, yeah, was, something yeah, like that. Yeah, and then there yeah. was a second one that was a little bit more American, and uh, and that was, I remember that being kind of fun, like a year yeah. or two later. There's a whole bunch of them, but yeah, no, I mean, not, there's not there's not there's there's, there's, a, there's kitsch to it, but tons of extras, interviews, and you know, all, all, I mean, featurettes and music videos. There's a ton of stuff here, kind of um, you know, it's eighties kitsch. If you're yeah. if you're into it, um, what about that Silence of the Lambs? What 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 more uh, could they well, have provided us on that on this classic so, 1991 film? Here's the thing with Silence of the Lambs, and there's been some controversy online. And I took a look just to 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 see if I could discern the problem. Um, first of all, the extras are all pretty much the same. Uh, Tim Lucas does this really good audio. Com- this is from uh, Kino Lorber. Tim Lucas does a really good audio commentary on here. A lot of stuff you've already seen before, uh, featurettes and deleted scenes and outtakes. And, you know, uh, these are things that have shown up in the past. I would not necessarily discard your Criterion DVD. Hang on to that because that's still going to be a, a, you know, a must own. But, you know, you can complement it with this. But here's the thing. Um, uh, this was criticized because some people said that the materials that they got from Studio Canal um, had an improperly, the, the, the color space on the first reel or so for about the first mm. 20 minutes was not correct. So um, there, there's, uh, there's something wrong with the color space in the first 20 minutes and then everyone's skin tones change. Look, I looked at this thing on my beautiful Sony OLED uh, television with me sitting like two and a half feet away. I didn't really see it. So maybe there are some people out there with crazier, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, space vision than I've got. I didn't really <laughs> see it. But this is a thing online. A lot of people whining, a lot of people moaning, the, the, the Kino people kind of standing up for their transfer. Um, look, get, keep the DVD. <coughs> <laughs> Excuse me, but but compliment it with this. Compliment it with this. It's still the movie still holds up. I mean, you, you know, it's it's iconic. It's iconic. Yeah, uh, and, and, and it's kind of it's kind of about the about the about the movie. You know, I mean that. Yeah, the, yeah I mean, Jody Jody uh, uh, was already a movie star at the time, certainly. But but it's still nevertheless this film that sort of is fixed in place. Uh, that's you know quintessentially her. They, there's a TV series now. 
uh, yeah. based on it. Uh, yeah, not not to mention Hannibal, and there was a Hannibal yeah. TV series, and all the sort of inter- yeah. intervening movies, and even that one little moment where I guess it was Julianne Moore uh, who took over the character. I guess she took over the character for Hannibal. Uh, right? Yes, she that, did. That, that's that's right. She sure did. Uh, and, yep. and, and, but no, when you think about that Clarice, uh, you th- you're either thinking about that book, if you read that book at the time, uh, like I did, and then Jodie Foster. Uh, and so, you know, we, we talk about Clarice, it's Jodie Foster that comes to mind. We talk about Hannibal Electric because, you know, those characters preceded them. Uh, well, at least at that's least right. at least Hannibal Lecter preceded them yes. like, in, in, in the book. In the Michael, from in the Michael. And, and, and Michael Mando. Moore's mind, man, uh, mind, uh, uh, yeah, the with, yeah, with well, um, you're, you're dragging something. Brian, Brian, uh, Brian Cox dragging? played it, but Brian, yeah, no, it was, it, uh, no, it was that well, tall guy. It was that tall guy? Um, yeah, but but uh, Brian Cox played it. Brian Cox played the part in um, in the in that in the first one. Yeah, um, yeah you know, so there you go. So so M Night Shyamalan uh, made old. That's also oh. on 4K. HD with a movies anywhere code on it uh, and you know a few extras but here you go so a, a family goes for a vacation on um, on this beach and uh, then suddenly they find out that uh, they are aging faster than naturally possible on this beach fortunately in the end Dr. McCoy comes up with us with it with a solution <laughs> and uh, they all uh, age back to, to normal again. Um, so so wouldn't, that have, I, I, wouldn't I, that have been great. That would have been great. <laughs> would have been excellent if that had happened. <laughs> it's oh, my gosh. I, I still remember uh, it was a nurse chapel who who's like getting all old and she looks at a mirror and she goes, what a stupid place to put a mirror. And I remember watching that as a kid thinking. Yeah, why is there a mirror in sick bay? <laughs> like right there. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, oh so what do we think about old uh, Shyamalan? Shyamalan and his his weird movies. Well, look, uh, I'll give it this. Uh, you know, M-, M Night has always developed intriguing sort of notions and ideas for films. You know, obviously we go way back. Uh, six and all that kind of thing. But, but a lot of them, great notions, ideas. Very, very seldom has he stuck the landing. Uh, uh, yeah. with any of them. Uh, indeed, if to my mind, he only sticks the landing twice. Uh, the Sixth Sense and Unbreakable. Uh, I and agree with you. Those are the I agree with two. you. Uh, and and everything else is like, hey man, this is an interesting idea. And then you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> you didn't, you yeah. didn't know how to end the movie, did you? Didn't know how to end the movie. So this one is, one, is another one of those. Yeah, intriguing idea. Okay, you didn't know how to end um, uh, um, he'll, so, he'll, he'll, he'll stick it again one of these days, man. He'll stick it again one of these days. I'm still hopeful. Yeah. Um, so Kidvid, we got some Kidvid stuff here and then we'll, we'll get into some other stuff. Uh, are you afraid of the dark curse of the shadows from Nickelodeon? Yeah, pretty much the same. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a new, a new story for the midnight society and doing what they do. Basically, you know, these are like, these are kids and they're kind of like Kolchak kids or whatever. But, uh, you know, there's six episodes here uh, of this series and it's fine. Um, kids will enjoy it. I won't scare them too much. Probably good Halloween watching. Scooby-Doo meets Courage, the Cowardly Dog, straight out of nowhere. You know what? This is dumb. This is new Scooby-Doo, which is not, it's not good like old Scooby-Doo. I don't know what this, this weird Ren and Stimpy freaking Courage dog is, but it doesn't belong in my Scooby-Doo. Uh, <coughs> new, new, new fans who aren't addicted to the original Scooby-Doo probably enjoy it, but whatever. That's not my Scooby-Doo. Uh, the Wiggles, um, you know, for really young kids, uh, Halloween party. This won't scare any anybody. This it, it only scares me because it's just 
I this I'm so beyond all this really remedial stuff. I'm glad my daughter's outgrown all this. Uh, you know, look, it's it's the Wiggles doing doing a Halloween thing. I don't know what else I can say about it. Um, Night of the Animated Dead is an is a Night of the Living Dead adaptation that is done uh, in an animated style. It's kind of pseudo anime ish, I guess. Um, uh, movies anywhere code on here. You can add it to your digital locker. Does it work? Um, I don't know. I don't know that there was a reason to do Night of the Living Dead animated. I'm not quite <laughs> sure who the audience is. I'm watching it and I'm thinking I'd kind of rather watch the original Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know whose idea that was. Um, here's what I think. Do think if we're talking about animated and kid vid stuff, this is a great one actually for um, uh, for Halloween. Is part two of Batman: The Long Halloween. Ooh. Which is really great. It's good, solid animation, great artwork. Uh, Batman has always had kind of a kind of a, a Halloween vibe, anyway, and they they pick all the right villains to kind of pump that up. Scarecrow and Leprechaun, and and uh, you know they they really kind of pump that up. Uh, a lot of Arkham Asylum crazies running running mad. Uh, really solid. If you if you got the first half, uh, add this one and and make a Halloween of it. And then lastly, uh, this is cute. Little Vampire, Little <laughs> Monsters, Big Adventures. Uh, not scary in the least, but really fun animation. This is uh, French animation. And uh, that tells you everything. This is about a little vampire who, who's never really grown up. For centuries, he's only been 10 years old. And, uh, you, and if, our, if we could hear our audience right now, I think, Tim, our, I think the whole audience would go, aww, all at the same time. <laughs> So uh, anyway, this is uh, this is this is just about a little a little vampire kid who just wants to grow up and his parents won't let him leave. And, you know, it's 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 projecting all of those kinds of little little kid anxieties onto a, just a little vampire for uh, for Halloween. It's done really, really fun. Uh, it, it's very, very sweet. And, um, you know, it's uh, you can listen to it in the original French and it's even cuter. <gasps> that's crazy. All man. right, and that's on Blu-ray and DVD. Yeah. Mm. So let's. Uh, let's I dip step down. Up something I, else. I, I dip down. I dip down into the uh, cult. Uh, you know, because you know Halloween. Yeah. Uh, and, and 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 plucked out some mostly just because I love their titles. So so I plucked out Night of the Bloody Apes, nineteen sixty nine. Yes. Uh, which is, dig 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 the uh, dig the, the scene that's happening in this film in nineteen sixty nine. A guy uh, has to save his son's life, so he, the kid needs a heart transplant, so he gives them a gorilla heart. Uh, that, <laughs> right there, you know, I, I don't think that's gonna, I don't think that's gonna work out. Uh, anything, anything interesting coming along, uh, with any of these titles down here in the cult, in the cult films? Yeah, there's a, there's a ton of great bonus features on that one, actually. And it's, uh, it's, it's fun gore. It's good gore from VCI. Uh, there's a great commentary, tra- commentary track by Travis Crawford, who is, uh, kind of a, an expert in the genre, writes for a lot of different magazines and, uh, and whatnot. Um, there's a video essay and, uh, it's, it's, you know, it, it gives you a real good genre context. Ha- I love the, uh, half man, half beast, all horror. We've also we also have a we also have a bunch of stuff from uh, from Severin. Severin's good genre title uh, company. A lot of a lot of good uh, genre stuff. They've got Cannibal Man, which mm-hmm. is uh, which is is so gloriously cheesy and gory. It's just uh, it's hilarious. I mean, it's basically a psycho movie. You know, guy goes goes <laughs> completely nuts. But but it's got it, the, the artwork is great. It's just absolutely great. So Tim. 
There's the artwork. You see that? It's that a guy fantastic. with a cleaver right in the into his head. You could <laughs> never just, put that on. A, isn't that know. just sick? Uh, yeah, that's perfect yeah. Halloween stuff. You, you can't um, even do that in the actual movie. Uh, no, you can't. We got we got. Uh, I spit on your grave again on Blu-ray, uh, yeah. as well as as well as the sequel, which a lot of ah. people didn't know existed. I spit on your grave. Deja vu. Deja vu yeah. uh, same director, Myers Arkey, uh, which uh, is is not very good. Uh, really has no reason to exist. Uh, but you know, because there was renewed interest in the original, they went and did. Just three years ago, they did another one. Uh, I spent on your grave deja vu. I don't know what Myri Myri Yarky's uh, has been doing since, but it, you know, clearly he's still around and, and willing to do it. Um, a lot of animal themed stuff in here. Mm. <coughs> We've got Day of the Animals. Oh yeah, which is uh, the the uh, well the two films. Grizzly is the original one. Day of the Animals is the sequel. Um, uh, but you know, Grizzly is just basically, it's not that scary. It's a, you know, fighting, fighting Grizzly bear movie. It's like Jaws with bear, uh, <laughs> yeah. day of the animals, day of the animals really, really steps it up. And these are also both from Severn on Blu-ray, uh, day of the animals steps it up. It kind of does. It's sort of like a, what aliens was to alien. That's what this is to Grizzly. Wow. It, it just, it multiplies everything. It's, uh, and it's really cheesy. It sort of realizes that it doesn't need to play it that straight, that it can go a little bit more for camp. And it's really fun. And what a cast. What a great cast. I mean, Tim, come on. This is our generation here. Linda Day George, Richard oh. Jekyll, Leslie oh. Nielsen, right? <laughs> Michael yeah. Ansara, Andrew <gasps> Stevens. Come on. That's Michael Ansara from Star Trek. Michael oh. Ansara, who was married, who was married, married to, to, uh, to Jeannie. Uh, yeah. yeah. Married to Barbara Eden, Michael Ansara. Yeah. Oh, yeah. fantastic. <laughs> And then the last two severance here, uh, Skinned Deep, Skinned Deep, oh, yeah. not Skin yeah. Deep, but Skinned Deep, yeah. uh, and Born for Hell. Um, mm. These are um, kind of, you know, both middling, I guess. Uh, uh, I, I, guess I guess Born for Hell might be the better one. This is a French-Canadian film from the mm -hmm. mid-70s. Uh, well, there were a lot of these films about guys coming back from Nam in the 70s. Yeah. You're buried inside all kinds of other genres back then. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, this is, you know, French-Canadian exploitation cinema is, is interesting. It, it is legitimately a thing. And I think this kind of feels a little bit like it's taken off from Taxi Driver. Like, it wants to be a gorier, bloodier Taxi Driver with mm -hmm. less budget. But anyway, uh, that's Born for Hell from, uh, direct, from director Denis and then uh, Skin to Deep, I mean, what can I tell you? Uh, this is like, you know, this was made probably a, like not quite 20 years ago, early 2000s. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's gory. It's got uh, Forey Ackerman, who was, of course, in our Schlock documentary before he passed. God bless mm. him. He, he shows mm. up in, in a cameo on this. You could get him for a cameo on any damn thing. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. This is just, uh, it, it, it just feels sort of needlessly freakish for no particularly good reason. But, you know, we're, it's Halloween. If you're not going to watch yeah. it on Halloween, when are you going to watch it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Trauma, trauma films. We got Night Beast and Honor Killing. Uh, Tim, is is Halloween a good time to watch a trauma film? You think? Well, look, Night Beast. Look, uh, yeah, I, I love the the sort of description that they give. It's very it's very short and to the point, and absolutely true. A creature from outer space lands in a small town and starts killing people. 
Yo, what's going on? That's it. <laughs> That's exactly what happens in this movie. It's an ugly creature and uh, classically uh, practical in the way that all trauma films are. You know, people in ugly masks. Terrible and, makeup and, effects. Yeah, yeah. You know. uh, on, honor killing, of course, is it has no qualms about being. Uh, it's so funny. They the the little taglines that they put on these things. You know, for example, there's there's one on the on the back of the box. It says the first grindhouse movie for feminists. Like that, like only Lloyd Kaufman would do something like that. It just, yeah, it's not even true. We we already talked about it. If I spit on your grave, that's the first, yeah, uh, great house movie. But except, you know, uh, and, and the woman, I I believe the woman who stars in this is also the one who made it. Uh, Mercedes the Muse is how she goes Uh by her name. Um, anyway, she, she directed it. She stars in it. We don't really know her complete real name, but, uh, it, this is basically, um, it, this is basically I spit on your grave with a woman who is effectively wearing a hijab. That's all I'm going to tell you about it. And it's got some weird trauma uh, edges to it that don't make any sense, but they're all pretty funny. Mm-hmm. I will say that. There, there's one, there's one in this uh, cult stack, one, one dark night. Yeah. Uh, and uh, from 1982, and I remember this film, you know, it was straight up, straight up. And so, you know, it's one of these films where a young, a young girl uh, must spend the night in a mausoleum. They take him, but the young woman is Meg Tilly. Uh, a very yeah. young Meg Tilly, and I remember her from this film because Meg Tilly was Crazy, really this right? wonderful actress. Would go on to be something of a movie star for some time, um, uh, you know, for years to come. There, uh, Meg Tilly's in Je- Jennifer Tilly. Tilly's older sister. Jennifer T- Tilly's older sister. She's she's roaming around. Um, what's that movie with uh, with with all the movie stars? The William Hurt and uh, the the uh, the Big Chill. Uh, yeah, uh, Meg that's Tilly, right. Young Meg Tilly roaming around that and Cycle Two and a bunch of other things. And in this movie, not only did you get Meg Tilly, uh, but when you work your way down the list of just folks in the movie, you get Kevin Peter Hall. Kevin Peter Hall was this very, very, very tall African-American actor who was most famous for playing the Predator in the original Predator films. He's the guy, he's the guy in the Predator suit. And every now and again, he would show up uh, in in, in other things. For Larry Carroll, uh, who, who was a TV anchorman here in Los Angeles when I first got here. Adam West from the old Batman series from the 60s yeah. in this movie. So it's just one of those movies where when you roam through uh, the cast, you see all of these people and you're like, oh my God, oh my God. Anyway, I forgot they were in this it's, movie. I love, I love that, that, those kinds of games. Yeah. Um, Mondo, Mondo Macabro also uh, has three other little uh, kind of pseudo-y, Halloween-y, grindhouse-y things for us. Uh, the one that is, is most clearly Halloween-y is uh, The Howl of the Devil by uh, legendary exploitation filmmaker Paul Nashi, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, this is, uh, I swear people were on drugs when they made this thing. <laughs> this is, uh, it is, this is just one of those, it's an excuse to like, this is a, you find an, a really gothic mansion and then you have people basically uh, just uh, take their clothes off and brutalize each other. That's kind <laughs> yeah. of it. That's really all that's going on here. Uh, this is from 1988. Paul Nashi, of course, Spanish uh, exploitation filmmaker. And uh, there's nothing else going on here. There's just yeah. nothing else going on. It's just uh, it's just all in a, in a horrible gothic mansion, lots of nudity and lots of uh, gore. Yeah. The Frenchman's Garden by uh, Jacinto Molina. Mm. kind of in the same general vein. This is also Spanish, also from the 1970s, a few years later. Mm. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's a serial killer movie. It's, 
you know, uh, it's not much else to say for it. Um, slightly more legit and, again, also Spanish, but this is from the 80s. Uh, this is kind of more of an action film is hunting ground again we're we're in we're we're still in i spit on your grave territory here um this is a you know uh, um a, effectively about a, a female lawyer who is in the i spit on your grave uh situation and some you know guys from the courthouse see her and uh they decide to you know go after her and and um she Comes back at him. I mean, there's nothing else to tell you. That's what it is. Uh, hunting ground. All good Spanish horror. Um, Jungle Trap, Tim. I, have you ever heard of Jungle Trap? This is also on, it's a double feature with Run Coyote Run. Had you ever heard of Jungle this. Trap? I don't, I don't think I know this. No, I'm looking it up right now. I had not. I had not heard of this either. So Jungle Trap uh, is from 1990, and uh, it was finished in 2016. Oh, okay. So this is this is one of those movies that basically sat around for uh, you know decades before it was actually uh, completed, and uh, it's it's kind of interesting in that sense. Um, it 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 was you know it's a it's kind of a it's sort of surreal horror. It's like a it doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's very stylishly made for very, very little money. And it's a ghost movie. And, uh, for whatever reason, it was just left sitting there and then they finished it about five years ago. And so it's this weird kind of anachronism. It's a movie that has sort of a modern sensibility in the way it's put together, but the synth score and the gore and the, 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 the surreality of it, really feels still very much of that uh, that Charles Band moment. Remember all those old Charles oh, yeah. Band movies from the early 90s? It kind of has that vibe. So anyway, uh, and then it also includes a movie from 1987 called Run, Coyote, Run, uh, which was uh, a, another kind of lost project from the same filmmaking duo, uh, Renee Harmon and James Bryan. Uh, not terribly interesting. It's It's, you know, it's kind of crazy. It's got, you know... Nothing really makes sense. It's like cops and cult people, and it's a little bit crazy. Mm. Um, the last two here, Vinegar Syndrome films, didn't watch much of these, but uh, they are they are generally highly regarded as cult films. Rush Week and Last Gasp. Uh, Rush Week is you know it's one of those. I mean, the title tells you it's it's uh, one of those sorority fraternity deals mm-hmm. uh, that kind of in this in the in the slasher vein of the eighties movies are all about you know sororities and fraternities and misbehaving teenagers and college students uh you know it's it, it's it's of the type it's not really doesn't really transcend it and last gasp has some very very cool stuff in it some very very uh high style to it uh higher it's a little above a few grades above what it normally would be and a lot of that's part of you know having some good actors in it robert patrick before he did yeah, uh, terminator yeah. 2 is in it and um you know some uh, some 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 good production value for a low budget film like this so um <laughs> uh. and, and, you know it's it's it all that's got kind of a, na- a native american ghost angle to it a little bit like Pol- poltergeist so there you go hmm. interesting what uh shall we do some of these arrows let's let's jump into the arrow titles uh here all right, uh, including uh, let's see, 
the Deep Red, which is Dario, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, uh, doing what he does in the giallo vein. Um, uh, I, I don't know what. So, what comes there, if you have it handy there? What? What? Anything interesting that comes? Yeah. With? So I would have put this in the in the in the four K pile because it's four K, but it's also Arrow. So we decided to leave it with the uh, with the Arrow titles. Um, I am not a Dario Argento fan. Uh, but that said, this is an awfully good looking movie. They did a really, really great job with the 4k transfer. This includes both versions of it, the original 127 minute Italian version and the 105 minute, uh, international version. Um, both transferred from superb elements. Both look absolutely beautiful. They are terrific in, uh, the, the, uh, the 4k transfer really, really very, very rich, uh, Dolby vision on here is just absolutely to die for HDR 10 is, uh, the, the way the color space works out. It's just, it's really, really sharp. It's beautiful. Um, Dario's films, if nothing else, they are good looking. They're really, really well photographed, lots of rich blacks and colors and good contrast. Uh, there's a new audio commentary on here by Troy Howarth and Nathaniel Thompson that is, I think, probably interesting. There's an archival audio commentary by uh, Thomas Rostock, who's an Argento expert. If you're an Argento fan or a fan of the movie, it'll be hugely interesting. The collector's booklet uh, I found much more interesting, actually, than the film. I like looking at the booklet. Uh, so there's always that, but, um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, uh, is this, is deep red, the, the ultimate, um, giallo movie as they, they say in the notes, I don't know. It's kind mm. of a standard no. Argento movie. No, Suspiria, but, Suspiria. Yeah, there you go, Suspiria. Right, Maybe, that's the yeah, ultimate. Yes, you're right. I see this Catsman, um, uh, 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 box set there. Sam, oh man, uh, is uh, yeah, a less well known uh, sort of slot producer of uh, uh, horror movies, all kinds of movies, really. Um, out, out of the 30s and 40s and 50s, uh, you know, not 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 yep. quite as well known as some of the other guys that we talk about, Arkoff and others. But uh, but you know, he was he was one of those guys from that period. He was. And, you know, it's funny. So I was hoping I'll just uh, divulge this. I was really hoping to have an interview for this show. So uh, a friend of mine is Ferdy Grofe Jr. Ferdy Grofe Jr. is the son of the great composer Ferdy Grofe, who was like a contemporary uh, of uh, of Aaron Copeland. They wrote a lot of the same kind of stuff. These wonderful Western suites. You would totally know his music. Famous American composer. So his son, Freddie Grofe Jr., was a very successful kind of low-budget independent filmmaker in the late 60s, early 70s. Made some great movies like Day of the Wolves and yeah. shot a lot of independent films in the Philippines, war movies. And uh, Freddie, who's a real character, and, you know, he's 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 still kicking around and he is he is no spring chicken. But Freddie um, started as, and he will tell you this, an idea man for Sam Katzman. Ferdy is an amazing raconteur. And I have, you know, when I first met Ferdy, I sat at lunch with him for three hours and and it was just story after story after story. And I was hoping to get him on the phone and, you know, do it, do it, talk to him for half an hour and let him spin some of his tales. Uh, have not been able to do so, but he's older, you know, yeah. I've gotten him a lot of slack here. We'll, we'll get him one of these days, but um, yeah, he, he, he would tell these amazing stories about doing stuff for Sam Katzman. And it was very much an Arkoff kind of a thing. You know, you're just, you're just spitballing all day and every day and just shooting things around. And it's a great kind of an education for a young filmmaker because all you're doing is coming up with ideas and Katzman is either shooting you down or pumping you up or kind of giving you the business on, well, we could do it, but if we don't, we might need to, and it's, you know, too expensive, hone it down. What if we reset it? What if we, you know, how this many people in this place, you know, and so you, you sort of learn how to hone your ideas based on the practicalities at hand. In any case, 
Um, Sam made a lot of just crazy movies, and the well, Sam made a lot of here. movies. Period. I'm, I'm looking at his news. Sam made two produced 239 yeah. movies between 1933. In 1972, yep. he died in 1973. So he was working yeah. right up to the end. And his very first movie as an executive producer, his private secretary uh, had in it, uh, among the co-stars, a ridiculously young John Wayne. So he was in the thick of right. it uh, right from the beginning. Directed a you know couple, a handful of films in the in, in the 30s, but mostly he was a producer and uh, the, the kind of guy that you just described. You know, uh, yeah. pitch it to him, uh, kids. Uh, that's it. Pitch it to me, kid. So these are the Cold War Creatures, four films from Sam Katzman. And uh, again, you know, he made a ton of movies, but these are four that are really, really very, very typical of his of his oeuvre, his, his body of work. Uh, Creature with the Atom Brain, The Werewolf, mm. Zombies of Moratau, and The Giant Claw. And I got to tell you, man, The Giant Claw is such a hoot. It is such yeah. a hoot. And there's some great extras on here, stuff that, that kind of analogize this to the Cold War paranoia that is symbolically represented in these films. And, and there's some really, really fun stuff. The werewolf, probably the least interesting of them because it's, it is really just a werewolf movie. Um, but it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a lot of fun. All the extras are great. And it's a great education in this too little. I mean, we say too little about Sam Katzman. People need to talk more about him. So it's a yeah. real education in a, in a very important uh, filmmaker's body of work. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's, he's, he's he's as important as William Castle. We always talk about William Castle. Yes, particularly he's this time easily of the year. as important. You know, yeah. uh, William used to go out and do all kind of wacky things, putting buzzers in chairs and and all that. But 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 no, Sam Cashman, right up there with William Castle. And then we've also got a box set. Uh, he came from the swamp, the William Greffe collection. Mm. Uh, so, you know, this is uh, Will, he was otherwise known as William Wild Bill Greffe. And this is a guy who basically was a regional filmmaker in the Everglades. He was a Florida schlockmeister and he made exploitation movies in Florida. And these are, these are his, this is his Everglade, you know, uh, swamp collection. And uh, it's, it's pretty crazy. I'll tell you it's, (laughs) it's seven. It is. It's pretty crazy. There's seven feature films and a documentary here. Uh, there's stuff like the Naked Zoo, uh, Death Curse of Tartu, uh, the Psychedelic Priest. I mean, there's no honestly, and the the and I would say I rarely say this, but if you're going to watch any of these, you need to watch the documentary. Uh, they came from the swamp first. That's the one you need to watch first mm. because it will tell you who Greffe was, how he made his movies, why they're important. There are great clips in it. And then when you go to these movies, because look, honestly, it's not like you're, you don't know what the end is. There, it's not like there's a, there's a surprising ending to any of these movies, but then you will be able to sort of watch it with this appreciation for, for, you know, how this very, very low budget regional guy, I mean, the Everglades, who sits in the Everglades and says, I'm going to make movies here and only here. Yeah, but, hey, but even, but even he managed to put among uh, the cast members of some of his films include Rita Hayworth. So you'll see her pop on Richard Jekyll. Older Rita her, Hayworth. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, you know, doing these kind of movies that that's <laughs> been, uh, in her life. But, but that's, a, that's a thing that he would do. And he does it over and over again. These sort of once were great stars popping up in these sort of slocky movies that he, that he would make. So, yeah, uh, Bill Greffe. So, Tim, we got another 4K from Arrow here. Uh, Children mm. of the Corn, the original Children of the Corn, Stephen King, Children of the Corn. Um, mm. Boy, I remember this movie was so divisive when it came out. 
you know, well, Peter, 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 Peter Horton and, the, and, and young and a ridiculously young Linda Hamilton. Um, yeah. uh, uh, you, you, right. That's the one we're talking about from uh, what it was, what it was about 84 or something like that. Well, uh, gosh, yeah, something like that, right? Uh, I wonder. I, I, I wonder if it was Linda Hamilton. Just it had, if it's eighty four, that that's also uh, Terminator. So, yep. so, so I wonder uh, which one we got first. I wonder which one actually hit screens first. Uh, yeah. uh, Terminator. I think this, or this did. I think uh, this did. I think this beats it by about a year, something like that. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a hell of a transfer. It really is. I mean, the movie didn't look this good when it was projected and I saw it projected at the time and, and hated it, really hated it. But I know people who love the book and didn't like the movie and, um, you know, gobs of extras here. I mean, it's just loaded with extras. It's, it's like criterion level stuff. There's, you know, interviews and audio commentaries galore. And there's even Stephen King being interviewed by Donald Borchers, the producer. I mean, it's just hordes of stuff here, but again, it comes down to the movie. Um, and it looks so good, but I, I watch it and I still, I still think this is just, it just, it doesn't work. Did you read the book? Cause I know, you know, it's oh, yeah, yeah, big yeah. In, in your house. So it was the, is the book, I mean, how does the movie compare to the book? Not, still, not, the movie not, still doesn't work for me. Not, not much at all, really. But, but that, that was the thing. And Bridget read every single one of, of the, I should buy her all the hardbacks uh, of, of all of those books. And that was one of the ones that she said, you know, it's just, it just has nothing whatsoever to, to do with the book. Kind of in the way uh, that um, uh, really, if you watch The Shining, the movie, the original Shining, the, uh, not the, uh, yeah, because it is the original. Kubrick's is, is the original adaptation of the book. Yeah. <laughs> not yeah. even close. Uh, uh, but of course, uh, the X number of years later, Stephen King would, would you know redo that and direct himself and, and he he was very close to his own book but he but it made for a terrible movie um um uh, uh you know that the a version of the shining that hewed closely to the book so uh, there you go uh it's just one of those kind of things but yeah children of the corn not not yeah i, I remember this movie because of linda hamilton uh, uh but that's really what i remember about the movie and then we got to just four others real quickly, which I have not given a lot of attention to. Just uh, glance at them a little bit. They all look relatively interesting for their for their kind of genre uh, credentials. A Ghost Waits. These are the last four from Arrow. Uh, a Ghost Waits, which which seems to be kind of a, a pretty fun, you know, traditional haunted house story with uh, with some some kind of funny edges to it. Uh, a slasher a serial killer movie called Death Screams, which doesn't really seem to to do much that other movies haven't done, but uh, it it you know that's also from Arrow, so it must have some kind of a, a profile. Which, uh, kind of which, a standard- which, which, which threshold is that? Um, uh, in that little group down there, that, does it happen to be the old one with Donald Sutherland? Which one? Death Screams? Uh, uh, thresh, threshold. Threshold. Oh, Threshold. Threshold. Yeah. threshold. Um, Which one is it? Threshold. There are, there are is, a thousand movies called Threshold. I just wondered if it's the Donald Sutherland one. This is, uh, let, let me see, because I did not actually watch any of this one. This was the one that I did not get to. This is from Powell Robinson and Patrick R. Young, who made a movie called Bastard in 2015. Ah. Uh, does that does that ring a bell? No, 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 not the one I was thinking of. The, the threshold I was thinking of is just nineteen eighty, whatever. Yeah, and 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 Donald Sutherland is in it, and Jeff Goldblum, and Michael Lerner, and you know all these old actors, John Marlon. Well, and I thought it well, might be that, but it's, it sounds like a different film. 
Oh, well, uh, th- no, this apparently, this apparently is shot on, I- no, this is a newer film shot on iPhones. It's, ah, it's shot, on, shot, okay. in, shot in like in 12 days on iPhones with, with, uh, with like three people. That's the, uh, that's what the, it's, it's, it's supposed to, it's like a thriller, uh, which I, it sounds interesting, you know, but I, I saw the like shot on iPhones thing and I was like, I can't prioritize that. Um, <laughs> you know, just can't, can't go there. Uh, and then, uh, let's see, Death Screams, pretty, pretty standard issue, uh, uh slasher movie. And then the last one, uh, Brotherhood of Satan, which, you know, I watched for about 15, 20 minutes. It's fine. You know, it's a, you know, small rural town, Satanists, uh, scary children, all the usual stuff. It's kind of, uh, you know, it's got a, it's somewhere, it's somewhere kind of between Rosemary's Baby and uh, what are the movies about this? The the creepy uh, kids? Uh, 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 Children of the Children of the Corn? Oh, uh, no, not Children of the Corn. I was thinking of the, the, uh, the, the, the creepy village, kids. Village yeah, of the Damned. Village of the Damned. Yeah, village it's kind of like damn. somewhere between that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's one of those movies. Uh, you know, it, it's not great, but you know, it, but, it's, but again, it's one of those, yeah, Struther Martin, 1970, 1970, yeah, Struther 1970. Martin. You can't, I mean, you, you know, LQ Jones, all these sort of faces uh, that we grew up watching way back in the day. They're fantastic. I love all that stuff, man. Let me, let me rock through some of these newer titles. Uh, again, I cannot vouch for most of these because, uh, did not have the time to watch each and every single one of them all the way through. But uh, there's a lot of stuff here that looks like it probably has some good scares for you. I will comment as I hit the ones that uh, I was able to vouch for a little bit. Um, we've got one here. This is called The Night. This is uh, from uh, IFC Midnight. And um, this is a Farsi horror film, a Farsi language horror film, if you can believe it, mm. which is Kind of that alone is kind of cool. Uh, director Karush Ari uh, got like a he's an Iranian filmmaker, and um, somehow he made this here and was able to get it released in Iran, where movies like this are taboo in the first mm-hmm. place. I mean, it's it's not a great horror film, but I think the fact that it's in Farsi and it has these kind of international credentials certainly make it more interesting than you would expect. So it's called The Night. Uh, we've also got one called Initiation, which is, uh, you know, it's got, it's got yet another, it's a unit pledge week, right? It's another, yeah. or, you know, uh, yeah. sorority, uh, uh, fraternity deal. Um, and you know, there's like a murderer and it's got, you know, the usual, uh, initiation, you know, pledge week, initiation, rush. They're all kind of the same. Yeah. Um, another one here called Kindred by Joe Marcantonio. Uh, relatively good cast in this one. Acting is pretty good. Uh, you know, it's an obsession movie. Uh, hallucinations, you know, a little bit of Rosemary's Baby stuff going on. I mean, you know, uh, I watched a few minutes. It seemed compelling. I might get back to it. Let's talk about The Conjuring 3. Tim, how do we feel another, about another, the third another, installment another of The Conjuring? Well, that first yeah. movie, uh, 2013, so I, I you look actually deeply appreciated that movie. Um, I did too. I did too. Uh, you know, so, so you know, good, good stuff. You know, uh, you know, particularly you know, they had these sort of like actors with some gravitas, uh, and then you know, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga and all that kind of stuff. By the time you get to the Conjuring Three, I think I'm kind of all conjured out. Uh, I am so, too. You know, there you go. Yeah, with, with I am too. Stuff. But that's that's true with a lot of these movies. We're 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 working on like the seventh. Paranormal activity movie, dude. I know. Well, That's, the thing here is you know, that 
they they still are trying to find the real stories of Ed and Lorraine and, and Lorraine Warren and turn them into movies. And the actual incident that this one is based on is nothing transpired even remotely like what happens in this movie. I mean, yeah. it's so loosely, loosely based on. Yeah. So they're really stretching now. I gotta say, I still kind of enjoy these movies from a from an acting standpoint, but this one this one jumps the shark. It really does. Yeah. So I'm kind of hoping that this is the last one. Also comes with the movies anywhere code, but uh, the Conjuring Conjuring Three kind of jumps the shark. Yeah. Um, History in the Dark by uh, Umberto Lenzi. You know, um, what do you what do you? It's it is what it is. Uh, it it's you know a, a, a hitchhiker and. One of those movies. It's from Vinegar Syndrome. It's it's just it's it's a little bit of an American exploitation film, a little yeah. bit of Giallo because the director is a Giallo director. Um, it it plays off of hitchhiking anxiety in the seventies. Uh, kind of dated, not that great, but you know, few few jumps. Uh, let's see, uh, a Shutter original, Fried Berry. Mm. This is by uh, Ryan Kruger. Um, this is a, a little bit like a, this is an alien, uh, an alien movie with a lot of really nasty edges to it. Alien abduction and, and all kinds of really ugly gore stuff going on. I guess it's, it, it seems like it's more shock than anything. Uh, mm. I got that sense. I just watching a few minutes of it. I was like, okay, it's just trying to shock the hell out of me. You know, what's really good is the awakening. Did you yeah, see yeah. the awakening? This is legit. This is Nick Murphy. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's kind of kind of kind of set around. It's set during World War One, right after World War One, when ghosts and uh, and just that sense of loss was everywhere. And it's really, really sort of a. Uh, I, I, it kind of felt like the others. You remember that film, the the, the others? Totally, uh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. It, it, it lives right in that space. Rebecca Hall, uh, yeah, Melda Stein, really, really good actors. Dominic West. So yeah, that was a pretty good movie. Yeah, I like this a lot. I think it's I think it's creepy and eerie, and it's beautifully shot. Really good. That's from Cohen. Uh, and you know we've done we've done work for Cohen, but they, yeah. they keep picking up some really good stuff. This new Escape Room. I didn't like the first Escape Room. I like this one even less. And I watched this one all the way through. Just because I like the actors and I'm really, really pulling for them. But man, I I don't know, man. Taylor Russell, I just love her to death. I think she's the greatest thing ever. I can't get enough of her on uh, uh, Lost in Space. Yeah. But I really hope this is the last of her escape room uh, contract films. Yeah. Uh, she yeah. needs to move on to something else. This is just, it's the same thing from the first film. And it's just, you know. The whole escape room thing, I, I I could just see them doing like Saw and making trying to make oh, 20 yeah. of these and locking that poor girl up for the next decade and a half. It's, it's just so obvious. It's just like, you know, it's just it's just so obvious. And I don't want her to be associated with these films. She's too good. No, she is too good. I agree. Uh, Dark Stories, a little little monster movie here with the uh, with dolls and a lot of uh, kind of familiar tropes. Uh, it's it's an anthology. It's kind of like a like a Twilight Zone or an Amazing Stories or uh you know one of the old one of those old deals uh yeah i mean i guess it's okay um not not brilliant um but you know there you go yeah. <laughs> room, there's not, I, some of these i just can't say anything to about them uh room nine uh you'll never stay anywhere else uh yeah that's all i'm gonna say about that one <laughs> uh 10 to 10 minutes to midnight is uh, is is more just kind of uh, phantasmagorical uh, gore and, and craziness. Uh, it's about a, a, a punk rock disc jockey who is um, bitten by a bat at work. 
And uh, that winds up kind of creating, turning her whole radio station life into a, uh, it gets weird. Just leave it, leave it at that. Uh, fun house. Uh Oh, mm. a movie called Ooh. fun house. You, you, you know, it's mm. not going to be fun. You know, it's well, gonna be all a, lot of these, uh, a lot of these have to have to do with putting a bunch of people in a room or a place where you know, they are. It's soft. Also, you know, and then we're just going to mess them up. And, you know, and, 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 and yeah. there it is. You know, it's a lot of it's, that. It's just saw it's that's exactly what it is. It's saw basically it's saw. It's a lowbrow saw. Uh, nothing else. Nothing really worth paying attention to it that one but if you like the genre go for it have and knock yourself out uh let's see jurassic hunt that's all that's a got a whole dinosaur vibe to it lowbrow dinosaur vibe kind of on the corman level mm-hmm. queen of spades gets a little bit uh satanic and uh you know it's 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 kind of like candy, kind of candy manish you can summon up. yeah that's yeah. it that's it's it's monsters being summoned or demons being summoned through through rituals and whatnot um dark spell that's uh that's more ghosts and uh you know uh, people who the the other when you're when you when the, when you're separated from the other from the world the other world you know it's that that whole that whole deal um yeah i can't can't give you much more detail on that one. Only only uh, only saw the beginning of it. Didn't seem that interesting. Mm. Um, Japanese film here that I thought was actually very interesting from director mm. oh, uh, yeah. Takashi Shimizu, who has been a kind of a central figure in in uh, J horror. Howling Village. Mm. Um, thought this was very interesting. I've gotten yeah. a little bit tired of J horror. To be honest, kind of, kind of burned out on it. But this is this one, kind of. I was like, okay, maybe I should kind of revisit the genre again uh, at, at some point. Um, this is about a psychologist, a, a female psychologist, whose brother winds up uh, MIA, and she goes to the to her her search for him takes her to this place that's known as the Howling Village. Mm. And uh, she winds up obviously getting more than she bargained for, but it's uh, it, it is quite interesting. The, the the style is very sharp. The scares don't come the way that you would expect them to. They really come kind of unexpectedly in an unusual ways and unusual times. And that was a very very smart film. Kind of uh, alludes so, uh, to that uh, that that forest in Japan where where people. Um, often go and uh, that's right. Yeah. Which, which doesn't really mean anything to us culturally, but yeah. yeah. Great white, you know, big shark. What do you want? Jaws redux. Um, The old ways. That's a possession movie. Mm hmm. Uh, bad candy. I didn't watch any of because they wanted it too badly. Bad candy (laughs) showed up. Seriously. Bad candy showed up in a big old box with like a lot of spray painted crap that got my hands dirty and I had to clean it up off the counter after I opened it. And it came with like a bunch of candy in it, which also had spray painted red crap all over it. And the <laughs> I'm whole not going really to eat this. I'm not going to eat this. I have to wash my hands and I'm really kind of pissed off that you wanted to review that badly. Uh, this is from dread. It's got Zach Galligan in it, which is a plus, but uh, I just, there was, you know, uh, there was no way I was going to watch this. It all takes place in new Salem on Halloween. And, you know, it's about a bunch of radio DJs and, you know, dealing with the myths of the town. And I guess there's some ghosts or something, but my hands got dirty. So I didn't watch it. <laughs> I, I, seriously, I was really unhappy. It's like I had this red crap all over my hands. The box blew up in my hands and I had to vacuum up stuff. It was terrible. I hate it when they do that. A red died in uh, 12. You know, it'll give you candy. Yeah. Uh, another, another ghost movie called The Vigil. It wants your pain. 
Didn't watch that one either. Um, and then the last bunch here, uh, I'll just name them real quickly. Lust, mm-hmm. which is uh, which has some guy in a, in a, in a creepy uh, mask through the shadow. Looks like uh, like it's another ghost movie. I am toxic. Uh, this is like a like a like a post apocalyptic zombie movie. Uh, they say it's Mad Max meets The Walking Dead. I uh, I'll take their word for it. Um, uh, alone in the oh, alone in the dark. I remember alone in the dark. Oh, yeah, I remember. remember alone in the dark. Oh, yeah, yeah. This was this was a thing. Uh, this was a New Line film from from way back. I didn't watch this the, again, but this is a new Blu-ray of uh, Alone in the Dark, which uh, which has Jack Palance in it. And uh, Jack Palance is always good for Donald Pleasance as well. Good, uh, good. Both of them are really, really good for a little bit of creep. So uh, that's fun. Audio commentary with Jack Shoulder. I might actually watch this one. I might save this one for Halloween. Yeah. Alone in the Dark. And then lastly, The Amityville Moon, uh, which teach, which is a, a werewolf movie that teaches us that all you need to do is put the word Amityville in, in, the, <laughs> na- in the title of your movie and everyone assumes it's horror. I'm thinking that I'm thinking that the word Amity can't be uh, copyrighted. It, it, that must just be a, a, a that's public it. That's it. domain word that people can use in any way that they want. That's what I think. For sure. For sure. Oh, man. Uh, Tim, let's talk about uh, Kolchak for a second. The Night Stalker. Oh, yeah. The how how influential? How influential is the Night Stalker? Well, really, it's almost it's almost in. Of, of course, Darren McGavin is playing the Night Stalker in the early 1970s. And in and, 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 and that television series is when I first came into contact with that character and that idea. But you can follow a direct line from from that series and that character to uh, the X-Files and everything that Mulder is doing in the X-Files. They even sort of. Um, um, pay homage to it as during you know the original run of the X Files and and just so many things uh, that we that we think about now even some of the goofier things in reality TV and whatnot but yeah uh, the the Kolchak the Night Stalker that's where it all begins right there baby I uh, you know this sh- this show ran for like half a season yeah. I mean it, 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 there are hardly any episodes and yet it is so influential uh, it, it like Tim said it just didn't can we can we credit Kolchak with Ghostbusters. Uh, yeah, because, because John Landis, uh, so, uh, and, and, and I can promise you that, that, that John Landis in 1970, whatever the hell, uh, it was to that, uh, was, was unequivocally a devotee. Uh, uh, yeah. So yeah, I think you can. I think you absolutely can. You can you can find that straight line. It's shaped differently, uh, but the notion that there are things out there uh, in in the nether realms and the other dimensions and there that that that, that are doing stuff, uh, and 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 somebody has to go and hunt them hunt, hunt them out and seek them out and, uh, and 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 reveal that they exist, but nobody nobody can see them. Uh, but you know, there you go. Well. Gobs of extras on this. 20 episodes, uh, t- interviews galore. Uh, Dana Gould, who's a good friend of uh, our friend Ray, great stand-up comic. He uh, He's interviewed here. <clears throat> there are, uh, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> 21 audio commentaries on 20 episodes. And, you know, they are, a lot of them are really, really good. Um, it's It's kind of amazing. Uh, all the guest stars that popped up on those 20 episodes, well, too. Man. I mean, Jim Backus, Phil Silvers, Scatman Crothers, Tom Skerritt, for crying yeah. out loud. Yeah. Um, William Smith, who was doing everything back then. Dick Van Patten, Antonio Fargus, you know, who was doing uh, Starsky oh, and Hutch right about the same time. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Farr, you know, who was doing MASH right about the same time. Really amazing. A lot of uh, a lot of really, really great uh, guest stars. Um the Stand, as long as we're back on Stephen King. So The Stand is Which out one? now, both 
Well, that's what's interesting. So we have a Blu-ray of the new stand. Okay. Uh, with, uh, with, with Whoopi and everybody else. And then we have a double definitive two series collection on Blu-ray that includes, uh, the both versions, both stands. Oh, wow. So I am, so I have only a vague recollection of the original Gary Sinise job. Mm. And then, uh, I watched only a little bit of the new one, which just wasn't doing anything for me. I know people love the freaking stand. I know they just go nuts for it. Not my vibe, but I'm going to ask you as you you were married to the all time Um, Stephen King uh, expert, where do we stand on both stands? It took it took Bridget uh, ten years to get me to read that book. That book is very long, eleven hundred pages. I know. Uh, and I read that book, and you get to the end of that book, and a thing happens at the end of that book that made me so angry because it was really I was really sort of wrapped up in what was going on in the book. And then the book ends, and like a lot of Stephen King, uh, sometimes they end in just the most infuriating ways. Uh, and then here comes uh, uh, these uh, these movies. Uh, and um, I got to tell you, I've, the the movies are not even as good as the book. Um, uh, it, it, but in a way uh, that's really sort of infuriating because, you know, uh, um, it, it, there's a lot that's going on in these movies and there's a lot of dense story that's being laid out and all of these sort of characters in this sort of Stephen King sort of way. But but if, if the denouement, if the thing that it's all about uh, isn't absolutely mind-boggling, it just doesn't all add up to uh, uh, to anything. So I get it among Stephen King fans that it's this big sort of epic novel that's super-duper important like The Lord of the Rings or whatever, but it's always been really super frustrating for me. I That's the final word for me. Man. Uh, Elvira's Haunted Hills oh. is an Elvira movie from 2002. And uh, here's here's the thing. Cassandra Peterson still around. She's still kicking hard. Yeah. I love her to death. I love uh, the Elvira, even though it's a total rip off of Vampira. And, yeah. and I would take a chance here to plug our buddy Ray Green's uh, follow up to our schlock documentary, Vampira and Me, which is a superb documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's worth watching. But you know what? I really only enjoyed Elvira when she was commenting on crap. When it was like the mystery yeah. science thing. When we'd come out of the movie and she would just make fun of it and show some clips and then we get back into the crappy movie. I don't think she holds down a movie on her own very well. No, no, don't need don't need 80 minutes of Elvira, even in that little outfit with the no. Yeah, Um, no. It needs you being uh, quirky and 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 snappy. and, uh, And then we go back to the movie. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, also on, uh, television here, we got some docs. We've got Dark Shadows and Beyond, the Jonathan Frid story, which is a mm. really, really interesting doc about, uh, the Canadian born actor who played, uh, Oops. Barnabas Collins on Dark mm. Shadows from, for six years. And, uh, you know, still, I mean, I have every episode of Dark Shadows and I love it. I think it's just a really, it's the all-time great soap opera. Yeah, but people is, forget that actually, that was a soap opera. People forget that that was an afternoon with right there sure with was. Guiding Light and Days of Our Lives yep. and and uh, and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and a lot of production value, a yeah. lot of production value, going back and forth in time, in the past, in the present. It was very ambitious. Uh, Dan Curtis really kind of just bit off an enormous amount, and I love the reboot of it with Ben Cross too. Oh, yeah. Sorry, that only lasted half a season. Yeah. Um, that's actually very, very good. A great addition to your, your Dark Shadows collection. Then we also have the, uh, the, the monster collection, uh, the Frankenstein complex and, uh, you know, 12 hours of, you know, amazing bonus material on this thing. This is, this is, uh, effectively two different, 
um, uh, documentaries in one. It's it's Phil Tippett, Mad Dreams and Monsters, and the Frankenstein Complex. Uh, Phil Tippett, Mad Dreams and Monsters is all about Phil Tippett, who of course is one of the great creature effects guys of all time. Mm. And uh, the Frankenstein Complex looks at all the other guys who do you know uh, monster makeup and all that kind of stuff. So uh, that's the Monster Collection, the Frankenstein Complex, and Phil Tippett, uh, Mad Dreams and Monsters. If you're a makeup effects person, and then the last here on the TV end is uh, the PBS documentary exhumed a history of zombies which is actually quite fun because zombies are actually not just a uh, a movie thing they're a literary thing there are mm-hmm. there are legends of them there are reports of real zombies so this gets into the oh my gosh yes yeah very interesting very interesting uh, we're getting down to the end here, Tim. Uh, I, we've I, got was, to- I was uh, diddling about in the, some, some of the classics because uh, there's some classic horror uh, yeah. uh, down in there, including uh, uh, House of Wax, uh, the newer House of Wax. I think this yeah. is the one from what, yeah. about 2005 or something like that. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, and I remember when that when that film came out because Paris Hilton is in it. And Paris Hilton was she was running around with those Kardashians, but she was like the famous one at the time. Yeah. <laughs> that that yeah. particular period with uh, with all this kind of period. She came out in this movie, kind of uh, Jean Colette Sarah, and all this kind of kind of got beat up a little bit. Uh, oddly, as I and, you know, because I've seen this not too terribly long ago, I don't know why, uh, uh, but I, you know what. Paris Hilton wasn't bad in this film. Uh, she was actually pretty good in this film. She, she's, uh, not she's, bad, lean, she's not bad in any. Yeah. yeah, she she leans into her her persona. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's fine. She's fine. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I, forget, um, I completely forgotten that Jared Padalecki, who went on to be in uh, Supernatural, uh, he's one of the brothers. That long running series, Supernatural. Uh, uh, Jared Pilecki is in this film, and uh, Chad Michael Murray's in this film. This film had a few people running around, and it was you know not as bad as they, we made it out to be at the time. I, uh, you know, I think, I think it's, it's better when it's not an old movie in 3d. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I think it is. Um, you know, the, um, the Edgar Allan Poe films are really, really interesting. And, and Kino has, uh, booted out a whole, pretty much the whole, the whole batch of them. Actually, there is uh, Edgar Allan Poe's, uh, the tomb of Legia Mm -hmm. with Vincent Price and Elizabeth Shepard. Then there is the Comedy of Terrors with Vincent Price, Peter Laurie, and Boris Karloff, mm-hmm. which is just a blast. Oh, yeah. And then my favorite of them, which is the cheesiest one, The Raven, also with Vincent Price, Peter Laurie, and Boris Karloff. And then lastly, uh, Vincent Price and Diana Rigg in Theater of Blood. Oh, yeah. I'm These so glad are, you brought that one on Diana. Diana, you know. Yeah. Know. We lost so it. So it's a lot of Ed Ground Poe, a lot of Vincent Price. Uh, this is kind of a collection, you know, these four sort of go together. Um, if you had to pick one, and there are gobs of extras on here, audio commentaries galore. Uh, Tim Lucas does uh, some great audio commentaries on two of these. There's um, an interview with Roger Corman on The Raven that is really, really terrific. And as someone who's interviewed Corman, I'll tell mm-hmm. you, he's not easy to interview, but when he when he nails it, he nails it. Uh, great little profile of Richard Matheson and uh, wonderful audio commentary by Alan Spencer, the uh, screenwriter and producer of Theater of Blood. That's really, really fun, too. And then uh, the late Nick Redman and David Del Valle do commentary on that as well. Look, um, Vincent Price, do we th- this is a question. Tell me, do we do we mourn the fact that such a good actor got pigeonholed into this particular genre? Mm, well, you know, I, I guess not because I actually like uh, the, a, a lot of these films, you know, uh, when I met Vincent 
just before he passed away, he was in uh, that 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 uh, that uh, Johnny Depp movie in 1990. Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, uh, Edward Scissorhands, and then wherever I was working, they put me in. So I so I met uh, Vincent just that moment, and uh, and and he was this wonderful guy, and he didn't bemoan at all uh, any of that. Uh, his career, he was so happy uh, that he was able to sort of play all all of those roles, and you know, and he, and he got the the, the the people had sort of ways they thought about that that stuff, but he always played it straight. Uh, uh, Vincent is never playing it as a ham. Uh, I particularly you like Theater of Blood. Uh, it was sort of a middle, early middle seventies kind of thing, and he's playing the Shakespearean actor. Uh, and, yeah, uh, and, and it's sort of it's it's just really, really, really sort of great. So you know, no, I um I don't think Vincent uh, bemoaned uh his key, the the work that he did. I mean, even 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 he even got to play that guy in what was the Michael Jackson music video way back in the oh a uh, thriller, a thriller. He got to you know and everything. Yeah. Like that, I mean, that's that's in being ingrained into the culture in a way that he would not have been had he just been this sort of straight you know, dramatic actor uh, who was the yeah. guy that, that as he began his career, when he began his career, he was just a sort of straight dramatic actor. But no, he wouldn't, we wouldn't be talking about Vincent Price the way we do if he had just stuck with that. I don't think so. So we got another, we got a few others from Kino. The Mad Doctor with Basil Rathbone is, uh, is quite a lot of fun. This is oh, not man. quite a horror film per so, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a psycho film. Basil Rathbone plays a guy who, uh, He's a, he's a he's a doctor who basically you know uh, um, uh, marries and then murders his patients so that he can he can take their inheritance, and it's got some really creepy edges to it. Uh, some great performances. It's a very unusual part for Basil Rathbone, but it's a, it's a good like good little nineteen forties genre piece. Yeah. We also have the Screaming Woman with Olivia De Havilland uh, at a you know and Joseph Cotton, uh, which is. You know, it's Olivia de Havilland in the 1970s. She's basically just trying to keep working, directed yeah. by Jack Smite. Uh, not great, but it kind of, you know, it's it's early 70s, so it has that weird kind of creepy uh, Rosemary's Baby vibe going to it, a little Polanski kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar thing from 1973 is Scream Pretty Peggy with oh, Betty Davis getting yeah. really long in the tooth and wearing way too much makeup. But I kind of dig those old gals from back in the day. I know, right? You know what? Not gonna hang it up. Not gonna hang it up. Betty Davis. I, I like she, that. She would roam around Batman for good. Yeah. <laughs> everything. Not gonna hang it up. I'm still. I'm still swinging. And then, you know, I, there's something I kind of appreciate about that. You know. Yeah, it, and this was made for TV too. You yeah. got to keep in mind this was made for TV, and you're like, that's kind of creepy for TV in the early uh, early seventies. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, and then uh, from that exact same period, 1972. Uh, also made for TV is the victim with Elizabeth Montgomery. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, uh, Tim, I don't know about you, but all you need to say to me is there's a movie with Elizabeth Montgomery. Oh, man. That's it. Yeah. I'm done. Pick it. You're talking about the 60s and the 70s and frankly, until the early 80s. Forget about it. She was just. Yeah. Oh, my God. Her and Barbara Eaton shaped my entire understanding of what I come <laughs> to be beautiful or sexy or whatever it is. They were, I just they were, I agree. Astounding. I agree. Could not, could not agree more. Yeah, toss, in a little, uh, toss in a little Marianne there, just to be fair. Yeah. Well, anyway, you know, this is it's a it's a suspenser, and it all takes place on a single night, and uh, you know, it's just a it's it's a it's a woman in Jeopardy movie, but it's it's Elizabeth Montgomery. Come on, hang it up. It's mm-hmm. it's great. Um, let's see. Got just just a few more here. Uh, let's talk for a second about Friday the Thirteenth uh, because yeah. we got a Blu-ray set here, uh, eight movie collection on Blu-ray and digital. 
which re- includes remastered versions of the first four, if that even matters to you about Friday the 13th. Mm. But in any case, it's, it's Friday the 13th, eight movies in one collection. Is there enough difference between these eight movies for anybody to want to have all eight? Yeah. Like if you just ran the first movie on a loop, would anyone know the difference? <laughs> and, you know, which movie you're in at any given moment. Uh, I don't know. And the only thing that I find funny is that is that Friday the 13th, the final chapter, right? The final chapter. Yeah. That movie came out in yeah. 1984. You know what it wasn't? It was not the, the final, final chapter. chapter. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 1985, they just completely ignored the title of the night. Well, of course, because the final chapter was followed by <laughs> a new beginning, a new beginning. There we go again. So it was, it was yeah. followed by Jason lives. By the time it gets around to Jason takes Manhattan, they know it's just a joke. <laughs> they know it's a joke. Yeah. They can't take it. They can't take it seriously anymore. Uh, but you know, Hey, look, I mean, if eight movies, if, if you think you can tell the difference, Hey, knock yourself out, go grab it. It's a, it's a nice red keep case, all eight movies. You, you can put on a loop on Halloween and, uh, scare the neighborhood children. Um, film detective has a couple of old classics here in special editions, uh, which are, which are both worth a, a look. If you kind of like old, old time genre e movies, uh, you know, film detective does a lot of really nice stuff. These are all newly transferred to Blu-ray in 4k from the original 35 millimeter elements. Mm. And uh, the first one is the amazing Mr. X with oh, Tron yeah. Bay. Yeah. yeah. This is kind of a, this is kind of a cool little, uh, little movie. That's a, uh, you know, not, not overly well known, but I think it's pretty cool. Um, you know, Tron, Tron Bay was a very interesting actor, a Turkish actor who worked in Hollywood and um it's very kind of claustrophobic and uh he plays kind of a con man sort of a a medium mystic con man and um uh naturally he winds up sort of paying a faustian price for his indiscretions and lack of ethics i mean it's it's all uh it's good and moody and in a really cool kind of low budget way well, what and i love about this movie i don't mean to cut you off, but what i love about no, this good. movie is that it's an example of how uh any kind of movie can be insinuated into the film noir style this is a film noir that's a great example a, it's that's a, a great horror point. movie and uh, and yeah. that's and that's the thing about about you can make you can make a, a noir anything and this movie is a great example of that i love that and then we got uh, Frankenstein's Daughter, uh, which is from the Wade Williams collection of, uh, of uh, exploitation films, which, you know, is one of the largest exploitation libraries of all time. And, uh, and I'm not quite, you know, Wade Williams just uh, somehow gathered these things together. It's quite impressive. But anyway, it is uh, it, it's, you know, it's a little bit hard to to buy this if you've seen Franken, uh, uh, Young Frankenstein. Now, this was made in 1958. Yeah. So it's obviously l- well before Young Frankenstein, but it's uh, it's all about a guy named Oliver Frank, who is continuing the experiments of his grandfather, Dr. Frankenstein. Mm. And once you sell that, you, you just start see, seeing Gene Wilder. Like that whole, <laughs> uh, you, you just do. You can't sort of be, start that premise without going all Gene Wilder on it. Um, but that being said, you know, I, it, it, it's, it's fairly faithful in a kind of a low budget fifties, uh, grindhouse drive-in way to the Frankenstein lore. And it's a nice, it kind of connects the original Frankenstein films from the thirties to young Frankenstein in the 1970s. So you got right in the middle, you got this thing and it's not, a, it's not a hammer film. It's a, it's its own thing. So there, so it's got, it's, it, it's, it's pretty cool. I can, yeah. I can, uh, I can give that a recommendation. 
Uh, wrapping a few things out here. Wes Craven's Deadly Friend. Oh, yeah. Had you ever seen this before? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, remember I, I had never I'd never seen uh, Deadly Friend. This is from 1986. Did he just kind of tuck this in there between Nightmare on Elm Streets and uh, Hills Only Have Eyes? Where did I, how did I miss this one? Yeah, I, I, I don't know, but it's the kind of thing. It, it, the thing about it is, it's a Bruce Joel Rubin screenplay, which is why I know it. Uh, because Bruce yeah. Joel Rubin, you know, Ghost and, 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 and yeah. whatever from way, way, way back in the day. This is this is one of the earliest, one of his earliest sort of films adapted from a novel. But Bruce wrote the screenplay. And, of course, it was an early, early Christy Swanson movie. Christy Swanson, of course, would, would go on to play the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer in the movie. In the movie. Uh, That's Buffy right. the Vampire Slayer. So I, anyway, that's all, why it was sort of like bumping around in my head from back in the day. Um, mm. For those two, two things, at least, you know. And we also got Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker uh, with uh, Jimmy McNichol, Bill pa- Young, Bill Paxton, uh, Bo Svensson. Um, you know, this is, I mean, this is from Code Red. It's uh, it's not it's not bad. They've got, we got a couple here from Code Red, which is yeah. uh, they distribute through Kino and they they do a lot of uh, a lot of great old movies. Um, well, 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 uh, William Asher, man, that's William Asher there. Yeah, uh, you know the old boy. Yeah, uh, still kicking around. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not bad, you know, because uh, he, he's another one of those guys. We talked about Katzman, uh, you know, in, in, in who yeah, Castle. I mean, it's uh, both William Ashley. Yeah, he, he's another one. Uh, you know, Bo Svensson basically plays this um, this incredibly bigoted uh, police guy, police uh, inspector to um, who's he frames this basketball player and. um uh, it, it gets it gets ugly. Yeah. It gets ugly. Yeah, Jimmy McNichol. It gets ugly. Jimmy and Bill it, it, Paxson again. Just these movies. Bill Paxson so is walking around. Is what ridiculously young Bill Paxson walking around this movie? Just you know, I don't know. I just I just love that stuff. You know, I, I used to see Bo Svensson every once in a while in uh, in the market. <laughs> oh, and, yeah. it, and, and it was always in it. First of all, he's like six, four, six, yeah. five. He's huge. Yeah. He's he's just big and tall and strong. And he's one of those guys who can do this. And I'll tell you who else did this. Um, uh, 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 Apollo Creed. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers. Carl, I'd see Carl Weathers doing this, too. These guys would wear like yoga pants in public. <laughs> and 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 it's like. That's how you know you're a man. That's how you know you're a serious man. Because Carl Weathers, Bo Svensson, putting on like tight yoga pants. It's like you you truly have got to have, first of all, no gut. And you have yeah. got to have, you've got to have the posterior and the hams to pull that off like a man. You got to look like a football player, right? You got to look like a football player wearing those pants. If you're going to wear that in public. Anyway, I would see, I would see Bo Svensson wearing that in the market. And I remember the first thing that would go through my head was always, hey, Ivan, did you see the sunrise? <laughs> that's the only thing that would ever go through my head. I love it. I love Not, it. Uh, so that's a little Magnum PI reference oh, yeah. there for oh. people who know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. uh, hey, and then that's my Magnum right there. That guy. Oh, it's, that's my Magnum. Uh, Trick or Treats, plural, with David Carradine, D- Steve Railsback, and Carrie Snodgrass. Mm-hmm. Uh, also from Code Red. Uh, yeah, whatever. It's a, This is like a, one of those crazy mental institution movies. Uh, it's kind of silly. It's a little bit campy. But, you know, I get it. It's Halloween. Knock yourself out. Have some fun with it. David Carradine didn't make anything serious after 1975. It's mm-hmm. all... 
it's all completely uh well, until, and, and, until, Paul, kill, until kill bill and then you know we got until this, kill bill yeah Car- real serious for two movies look paul paul bartell shows up in this thing that tells you how serious it is it's pretty ridiculous <laughs> but it's got it's got an audio commentary that's uh, that's pretty fun i will say you know steve rails back i also can't watch him in anything because i was an extra on alligator 2 and i was sitting like five feet away when he just could not remember his damn lines it was unbelievable by the by the 15th take i knew his lines better than he did and he couldn't remember them it was unbelievable uh, steve was brilliant what was that what was that movie the uh the direct where the, the, the director that one movie that he was absolutely brilliant in Oh, oh the, well, he was he was amazing in uh, the stuntman. The stuntman, stuntman was terrific. Yeah, the yeah, Richard yeah. Rush film, yeah, yeah, with Peter O'Toole. I mean, amazing. That was yeah. that made him. Yeah. Uh, the Watcher and the Skeleton Key uh, with James Spader and Marissa Tomei and Keanu Reeves in The Watcher. All of them very young. Kate Hudson in the Skeleton Key. Neither of these movies is worth a damn, mm. but the actors are fun. So maybe you'll maybe you'll have fun with them. Lastly, Tim, the only two I'm going to really heartily recommend for Halloween. These two. I, this is my highest recommendation for the week. One is The Silent Hunchback of Notre Dame starring Lon Chaney. Oh. The incomparable. This is from Kino Lorber on a license from Universal. Uh, I, I just don't know that there are many better films ever. This is an amazing film. I still love it. It's absolutely amazing. And then we've got Christoph Gans, The Brotherhood of the Wolf. Uh, which oh, yeah. uh, French, great French film. Christoph Gantz has never made a better film. And uh, I, this is just absolutely great. It's not quite a Halloweeny movie. It's kind of more of a, a Raiders of the Lost Arky kind of adventure movie, but I still love it. It's got a monster in it. You know, it's uh, got some, it's got martial arts. It's kind of like a, a Western set in, in uh, 19th century France and, uh, you know, Napoleonic era France. It's really, really fun. I I love this movie. Uh, I think Vincent Cassell is great in it. Uh, I think Mark Dacascos playing the uh, this this like Native American character who's in you know taken over to France by his by his buddy Samuel Le Bihan and and yeah. he he's like does yeah. his amazing martial arts stuff. I mean, this whole movie is just a lot of fun, and I I just cannot recommend it highly enough. I think this is the one you got. I, I just I, I, dude, I'm saying, I cannot believe this movie is 20 years old. Right? I think the junket for this right. Movie. Uh, it's already it's already twenty years. Yeah. Ago. All right. Well, anyway, uh, that's the one. Fantastic. That's the one I would watch. You're just gonna have a blast. It's a little bit Halloweeny, but it's not too Halloweeny, and uh, it's really good. Brotherhood of the Wolf. All right. With that, Tim, uh, have a great Halloween. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. As you say, it feels like things you, you you're taking. What kind of trick or treating you guys do? Local door you know, to door? Are you going to to an event? We're, what, what we haven't do? totally decided yet. To be honest, um, we're we're actually tonight, as of this recording, we're headed out to see the uh, the live performance of Nightmare Before Christmas uh, with Dan with Danny oh. Elfman and uh, and Paul Rubens and the whole the whole gang. So uh, mm-hmm. Billy Eilish is doing a, is doing one of the one of the parts. So we're going to we're going to go check that out at the uh, Bank of California Stadium. And uh, that's mm-hmm. going to be a whole lot of fun. Otherwise, for Halloween itself proper, uh, you know, my daughter wants to go trick or treating with her friends. She's never actually done that. She's only ever been chaperoned mm-hmm. by us. So wherever her friends want to go, I guess that's where we're going. And we haven't decided yet. But we're going. Yeah, just to like stake it out and stake yeah, it out we'll, and keep an eye yeah. on it. It's a community, it's a community thing, thing, right? Neighbor yeah, it's neighbor. They're, they're, but you guys they actually live in that kind yeah, of Yeah, there, there are a few places. There are like, like three or four places where people really do their houses up, right? So we're going we're gonna to go to one of those. We just haven't figured out which one yet. All right. Sounds great, baby. Right. Sounds great. Give, give, give everybody a hug and everybody out there uh, have fun with your Halloween uh, goodies. 